Hey folks, a great episode today. It's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel. Um, today I've got on my my delightful, talented, very funny friend Ricky Lindholm, who is going to talk to you about keeping a schedule. Um, this was <laughs> Ricky was excited to talk about this, and I was excited to talk about it with her. Um, and the conversation sort of veers off into a few different directions, but mostly we talk about how um, she has as sort of taken control of her career and writing by keeping herself on a daily and weekly schedule. It's a really interesting and and very in-depth conversation. Before we get to that, this is your last chance to sign up for my introductory TV writing class through Script Anatomy. Uh, This is a five-week class that covers the basics of screenwriting. It's a great way to take your pilot idea from just an idea to an actual outline. Uh, the class starts on the 10th of September, and you can find out all of the information over at scriptanatomy.com. You can also go to my newsletter, rewriting, benblacker.substack.com, And uh, I'll have information about the class and any other future classes there, as well as a host of other things, um, articles about the business and craft of writing. And for paid subscribers, you will have access to the live Zoom Q&As with professional writers. Uh, We did two last month with uh, Carlos Folia and Lauren Unerich. Both were so great, so helpful. Um, If you become a paid subscriber, you'll have access to listen to all of those conversations as well as show up to them and ask your questions. Um, They've been really great. We've got um, one for September and then probably doubling up again in October. So a bunch of great Q&As with pro writers um, that I always find so helpful and inspiring. Once again, you can subscribe over at benblacker.substack.com. The podcast is a thing I'm doing all by myself. So... If you enjoy it at all, becoming a paid subscriber to the Substack is a great way to support me and the podcast and this work. I really do appreciate it. Um, All right, here's my conversation with Ricky Lindholm, who is a terrific writer, of course. Uh, You know her as one half of Garfunkel and Oates, uh, as well as the co-creator of the very funny Another Period um, as an actor, you've heard her voice on Duncanville. You saw her face in Wednesday. Um, she's been on Grace and Frankie, a whole bunch of things. Just an immense talent all around. Um, here's, here's Ricky and me talking about keeping a schedule and the discipline to write. Um, a small warning, this does get cut off right at the end as we are saying goodbye to each other because I hit the wrong button. Um, but other than that, it is a terrific conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Ricky Lindholm is back. Hi, Ricky. Um, Thank you so much for chatting today. I'm excited to talk about your suggested topic of scheduling, which I think it sort of, to me, it sort of falls under a bigger idea of discipline. But before that, 
I want to ask how you are holding up. How is your mental health? How are things going during the strike for you? You know, I'm doing okay. I, I'm using it as an um, excuse to spend more time with my baby and to work on stage stuff. I'm just trying to like, you know, pick it as much as possible, stay positive, uh, work on other things and spend time with my family. I'm feeling like that's the best way to get through this for me. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and I think like, it sounds like you are actually getting work done, which I think for many of us, the first, especially the first, you know, hundred days of this was sort of tough to focus and and dial in. Um, is that the case? Are you moving along on stage stuff and other stuff? Um, you know, off and on. It was at, at first I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of just focused on the strike, and then after a couple of weeks, it felt it feels like the pandemic. Where after a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, this could go on. I need to have a routine. I need to find a way to uh, be happy and productive. If, if productivity makes you happy, it makes me happy. So I find a way to be productive. It doesn't, you know, not everyone has to do that. Some people want a vacation, but um, yeah, I just, I, I, after a few weeks, I found a routine. So it's well, nice. Don't you wish vacation made you happy? I do. I do. I can do about three days. Right. And it makes me really happy. And then I'm like, okay, like I just got back from Alaska a few days ago. And we went for four days. It was perfect. Uh, and now you you are back to work on your your own stuff. Um, so let's talk about this. Uh, and I want to sort of, it sounds like, you know, based on what we were talking about before we started rolling, it sounds like you've sort of found a routine for yourself that works. But I want to talk first about like, what has it looked like in the past? What is, what's been the messy version uh, of like a young creative Ricky? Well, in the past, before I, you know, did experiments on myself as a creative and took myself seriously as a creative, I would be like, I would do a seven hour waitressing shift and come home and try to write. And I'm like, I suck. I'm lazy. I can't do it. And I'm, cause I wasn't really investigating how my brain works. So now when I have writing days, it's all built around my magic hours when my brain is the most, you know, everyone, some people are night people. I'm a morning person about an hour after I wake up for the next like three or four hours, that is my golden time. And I'm very protective of that. And I sort of build my, my life around it. And because no one else will, no one else, like it, I, I, that's, that's the thing I've sort of found over time is like, and you don't even have to tell people what you're doing. You can just say, oh, I'm busy till two. They're not like, well, are you writing and doing something stupid? You know, no, they they go, okay. And I just, I had to start actively creating that time for myself and taking it very seriously and so that I can play once I'm there. But I, I really build my whole schedule around writing days and having those hours be uninterrupted. Okay. So I, I want to talk specifics on that in a second, but I want to talk first about like, how did you even find your schedule? How did you discover that you are good at you know, you, you are a good morning writer. You know, it was, it was trial and error. It was, it was during the last writer strike and it was the 2008 and I had some time and I, I wanted to write really bad, but I wasn't getting anything done. And I, I knew that I'm not, that I wasn't just like, it wasn't just laziness, like something was off. And I was like, Oh, what if I try this or that, you know, cause certain, you see people talking about working out and they're like, I need to work out at this time. Or I need to, and I'm like, wait, I don't even take myself that seriously where I don't even know what time is good for me. And so I started trying different things. I tried waking up at four to see if that was it. I tried, I tried doing it at night. I tried all sorts of stuff. And I realized that if I have a good night's sleep, wake up, 
sort of have breakfast, like a light half hour of just some coffee and blah, blah, blah. And then I dive in. That is my, that's my golden time, but it was just experimenting. So you've been at this too. You've tried to keep this kind of schedule for over a decade now. Yeah. That's great. Um, and explains your productivity to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, it's funny because I, when I realized that I started investigating more and I started asking other writers and it was probably like 2009 or 10 that somebody told me that their biggest piece of advice was never have lunch with anyone. And that changed my life. I was like, oh, you, you don't have to ever. You can have breakfast. You can have, I don't even have breakfast with people, but you can just be like, oh, I'm not free till four. Do you want to have coffee? And no one's ever like, what do you mean? Like everyone just goes, okay. Or I'll say, do you want to have dinner? Do you want to get a glass of wine? Like I like, I have friends, I'm social, but I, I don't have lunch with anybody at all. Yeah. And I'll say like, there's a reason we're recording this at three 30 in the afternoon is like, I, I keep those mornings free. Also, I, I try not to schedule anything till three, three 30. You know, no lunches unless it's something that leads to work. Right. Well, that's different. Sometimes, okay. Every time, you know, sometimes your mom's in town for one day and you have like, I'm, I'm talking your typical days, not your, if Steven Spielberg wanted to have lunch with me tomorrow, I, I'm available. You know, it's not that it's like the, your, yeah, sorry, sorry, Steve. No. Um, but it's just like your typical day. I feel like, I feel like I remember my friend told me that. And then I had a lunch with someone and it was in like Santa Monica. And I'm driving and valeting. And by the time I got home, it's 3.30. I'm like, why did I give that to them? They totally would have met me at four. What was I doing? Why did I say yes? Like, why was my instinct? Like, absolutely. Yes. You know, it's, it was, um, I wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. And, and taking care of that creative time. So walk me through a typical day for you. What is the stuff that you try to hold on to? So my, my typical day, well, well, so it's, well, first it's like setting up that day where if, you know, you have Zooms and stuff, it's always after 3.30 or 4. Any, any calls, anything you just say, and, 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 and I've, and I've also found you don't say, oh, I'm writing during that time. Cause nobody actually respects that. You just say I'm booked and they don't really seem to ask any more questions unless it's an emergency. So I'm just like, I'm booked until this time and I don't explain it. And that has gotten a lot, gotten me a lot of just like totally free days. Cause whenever I have like a one thirty conference call, like my day just kind of gets shot somehow. It just, it, my brain focuses on the call. And so I sort of set myself up for that. And then I do, um, I batch my errands. So I don't do any errands on writing days. They're separate days. I do like, I, I will have, I call them shit days and I'll do 12 things in one day. Like if I have to call the cable company, get dry cleaning, go to the dentist, transfer things onto a hard drive. It's all in this long list I keep on my phone. And I, I batch them and I just go hard for like eight hours of errands. I'll do five doctor's appointments in a day. You can build around that day. Cause then I'll have the rest of the week off. So I don't do any, I only do errands on errands days if possible. And the way I accomplish that is I do it way in advance. So like if I get a haircut before I'm, before I leave, I have my next haircut scheduled. So that, cause you can't really do last minute, you know, no one's available for you last minute to make your batch days, but they are, if you, if you schedule something three months in advance, Wednesday's open, you know? So I try to schedule things months in advance so that it's all stacked like that. This sounds like a little crazy, but it, it's what I needed to do, but it's crazy because people don't respect that, that as a real job, unless you're like at a writer's room, they don't think of it if you're a solo writer, they don't respect that as your work hours. They think you can do it whenever. And I can't. Well, it doesn't, which I 
get, right? Because it, it doesn't look like a real job. Like it involves a lot of sitting at your desk and like staring at the computer and maybe walking around the house for a minute and like that kind of thing. But like, yeah, I think to treat it like a job and, and respect those hours is huge. But because it is so close to, to the way that I work, I have a lot of specific questions for you. But the batching, the errands thing really helped, like doing, setting things up. Wednesdays are my days that I do appointments and stuff and I'll do it. You know, I scheduled up months in advance. So it's all, and then in the gaps in between appointments, I'll do, you know, transferring things to a hard drive or whatever, you know, errand thing I have to do. I just do it all together. Is that, is that what you do? That, that is what I'm trying to do. Um, and, and, but it's still like, it's hard to make that time because like, oh, I have to run to the supermarket. Like it's stuff like that, you know, that like starts to eat up an hour here and there that I would rather be using working. Right. I didn't, I used, I usually, I used to get everything delivered, but the thing that's put a big dent in that is becoming a mom because now there's all sorts of things that come up where I'm just like, and I have to just be like, okay, it's not going to be like it was like, I do the best I can to have my old schedule, but it just, you know, he doesn't care about that. <laughs> my son. Okay. Let, and I, and I want to follow up on that in a second um, because that's a whole different thing. Um, but okay. So, so you're, you're planning ahead, you know, you're shifting meetings till after three thirty four o'clock you are getting, you have your, your shit day when you get all your out of the house stuff and probably a lot of in the house stuff done, uh, on those other days, what time do you wake up? So, um, well now it's a little different with the, with the baby, but I would say typical Ricky before I would wake up around 8am, you know, have a bunch of caffeine uh, some food. And I, this is the other thing I try to do. I try to plan my lunch the day before, even if I'm just going to order it, I want to know so that I don't spend a lot of time being like, what do I No, I just have it planned. So I've got it either made or I've got it ready in my mind. And, you know, so I don't have to waste time on it, but I, you know, have some food and then I, um, have my little timer and I do the Pomodoro method, which is 25 minutes on five minutes off. So I'll just dive in and do my timer and I can't look at my email, nothing, you know, for, 25 minutes, it's just writing and then you take your break. And then I do that for probably like, well, well, let's say if I start at 10, I probably do that from like 10 to one. And then I take about an hour break, just brain, you know, like I had, I just need a break. I'll watch TV or go for a walk or something. And then, or 45 minutes or something. And then I dive back in and try to do like three or four more Pomodoros and then I'm done. Are you in that time? Let's talk about the actual writing in that time. Are you what are you working on? Are you working on one project? Like you are not someone who ever just has one project going. So what does that look like? And what are the various like phases of projects that you are able to work on in that time? Well, that's the thing that's hard for me to be disciplined about, which that I've been trying to get better at is just doing one thing at a time. Cause I'm very bad at it. I have a ton of things I want to do and it's really hard. And so like the night before I'll, you know, talk to myself and be like tomorrow, this is your goal. It's always a goal I will not reach. It'll be like, you're going to write 10 pages of this screenplay tomorrow, but, or not always, but mostly I won't reach it, but I'll give myself a lofty goal to aim for and um, try to like, be like, nope, you can't look at that other thing until you finish this thing. And it, it's hard. And then, but then when I'm done with things and I'm, 
the days where I don't know what to work on next, those are kind of fun because I'll like watch movies or videos or funny things or read articles. I'll do just, it'll just be inspiration, but I do it like it's my job. I'll be, I'll just try to get inspired, but it is hard to um, just focus on one thing. Do you have, I mean, you, you guys must have that problem. You have a million ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's not even the ideas. It's, you know, things that are rolling, whether, and, and you do this too, like whether it's live shows or rehearsals or, you know, like, and rehearsals, I imagine you can roll into your Wednesday or whatever but like you know creating pitch documents for a thing that's down the line and so like how do you how do you juggle those sort of smaller tasks with sort of the the one big one that you're focusing on that stuff is really hard for me that's like i would love an ex like i feel like i'm an expert at like scheduling but like i my question that i always ask other writers which i've probably asked you is like how do you know the best way to spend your day like what project should I be working on? And I have never fully known the answer to that. I always question it. I'll ask my reps, I'll ask friends. I'll be like, if you were me, what would you work on tomorrow? And then, you know, what would be the next thing you want to finish? These are the, you know, I, it, I'm good friends with your writing partner as well. And I'll, I'll ask Ben, I'll be like, here's five things. Which one would you focus on just to get, I'll just crowdsource it. And then sometimes I'll get just everyone being like, oh, that thing. And I'll go, okay. And then I'll know to focus on that until it's done or until I can get, or till a piece of it's done. Like if I, like I do things in, in pieces, like if I have an idea, I'll do a one page document and then it's done and I can email it to myself and I can revisit it. And then I'll take it and I make it a three page document and then I take it and make it an outline. And then I, you know, but I, I try to finish that three pages. I try to finish that outline before I allow myself to move on to another thing. But that's hard for me because it's like, you end up in the, in the hard parts and you want to go, Oh, this other shiny thing over here, this will be easy. And it isn't, but you think it will be. And that's something I've been hearing from a lot of writers lately is like, am I, I, I'm working on a thing and then this other shiny thing gets my attention. And am I bailing on something because it doesn't work or because this other thing is so shiny and new. Right. And it's probably the the second thing. Right. (laughs) In my case, like I feel like, because I feel like you always get to the piece that's like really hard and you're like, and it doesn't mean the project's bad. It means you got to the part of every project that you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. This sucks. I hate it. What am I doing? Like that is when you is when you to go look at anything else. I have to just, I have to sit with this. I this is I'm at work. You know, people who are like, you know, building houses don't like every single part of it. They don't like getting up at four in the morning and laying cement or whatever, but you have to. You have to like, okay, I gotta wait for that cement to dry. I have to do it. But you know, I can't just like it's like, I let, I let myself on the days where I'm like, just trying to be inspired. Then you can go to the shiny things, but it's, but it's, I don't know. Do you feel that way? I, I do. And I think that's, it's only as I've, you know, worked more and gotten older and, you know, sort of honed my own process that I've, I've been able to do that. And yeah, you're right. Like accepting that the hard part is part of the process is tough, right? But you have to muscle through it. There's no, there's no project with, without a hard part. There's no project. I've never had, I've never found the project with no hard part. It it doesn't, you know, like sometimes you'll write one sketch that just flows out of you, but that doesn't mean the whole project isn't hard. And, um, but what you were saying about pitch decks and stuff, I consider that a writing day. I consider that part of it. I'll sit down and I'll do the 25 minutes and yeah, I just consider that on my writing days. I don't consider that like on an errands day. I consider that part of the the writing thing. What about you? That, no, that makes sense. And and I do too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I try not to like, 
the thing about those kinds of documents and even like sort of early outlining stuff, like you're talking about the one page to the three page is it's hard, you know, you can finish those pretty quickly. Like we've been at this for a while. We can get through those in an hour or two. It's hard not to feel like my day is done after I finish those. Yes, that is really hard. That's tough for me. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I kind of can't. I'm bad at um, switching between projects unless I have like someone I'm working with. If I'm doing alone, if I'm doing things alone, if I finished my thing for the one project, my day is kind of over. I kind of, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't seem to switch my, I don't know. Do you, are, are, I'm not a multitasker. I'm a tasker, but that's it. I, I'm a multitasker, but I think often to my detriment. You know, like I feel like it it means I don't make enough progress on one thing uh, before tackling the other thing that I know I can get through. But who knows? They all get done eventually. <laughs> right. Um, it, but it is like that thing of like, I start to feel the pain of that where I'm like, oh, I'm 80% of the way through 10 things, which means I've done zero things. I have zero things I can send people. And that that dissonance like gets in my brain and I'm like, I need to finish something because this is not a way to live like finishing things feels so good <laughs> even if they're just the first draft of it but getting to the end you're like oh like 80% of the way through 10 things is a nightmare to me i that's absolutely right and it's something for sure i need to work on but i think it's it's good it's a good thing for everyone to think about um i want to ask you know a bit another big part of our day because again like like me you are someone who makes a lot of your own stuff you know you're always sort of working on a bunch of different things and and various ways with that comes a lot of email and a lot of promotion and i'm curious to hear about where that falls as part of your schedule i think i'm pretty bad at that and i i think i will try to do a couple in the morning before i start like when i'm just having my coffee but just like easy stuff and then i, I return emails after 3 30 i just do i'm like unless it's you know pressing like oh we have a meeting at tomorrow we have to get you know unless it's pressing i i will check my email but i don't usually return it until later interesting so you, but th that's it's impressive that you can like turn off that impulse to immediately reply which i think so many of us have it's so hard because people do get mad and people where i'm like no i have to well i so some people this is not being mean to myself this is just actually true some people are so talented and so effortless and they can really flow between things and things just flow in and they can return an email and then have this brilliant idea. And I'm not one of those people. And I had to like accept that about myself. And I'm like, nope, I actually can't, I can't do it. I can't run to the dry cleaner, do a zoom, write a brilliant comedy song, get on an email. And then that's not it. it I can't do it. I need to focus. I need, I need to be, um, I have to be really deep in it or it doesn't happen for me. Like it does some people, some people it does. And ha I'm good for them. Happy for them. I listen, I've never met those people. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think this situation is way more uh, common than, than you think. Um, so uh, you're working all day, you know, you, you give yourself, you plan your lunch, which I love. Uh, that's, I, I do a similar, like, I know what I'm having. I give myself that 40 minutes or whatever to go and eat my lunch and, and go to another room and then come back to my office. Um, and you wrap up by three thirty, four o'clock. How do you feel at the end of a day? If I did that all day, I feel really good about myself. I feel like I did what I wanted to do. If I, if I have a day like that where, you know, I mean, it depends also like 
some of the results are better than others, but on the days where I like made something happen, I feel happy. I feel, I don't know. How do you feel? Yes. If, if I feel like I've done something right, then I can't wait to roll into the next day and get started. And it's still hard, but I feel better about it. But if it feels like I've been, if I've been like pushing at that hard part, it sucks. I feel like I haven't done enough. I feel the same. And then, but then when you look back, you're like, no, I had five shitty days that I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And then, but when you get to that sixth day where the solution comes, you're like, okay, I had to do, I had to have those. And I am jealous of the people who don't have to have five. Some people it's, it's just more effortless. And I, I, but I feel like, yeah, some people, um, you know, have to go to the gym every single day. And some people have like, everyone's got their different things. And I just, I am a person who has a lot of those days that are hard and I just have a glass of wine and I hang out with my family and do it again. You know, I just don't know the, the alternative. Yeah. I, I, I'm on those hard days, you know, you're having five hard days of like pushing through a difficult part of something, you know, right. Act two on something. How do you, how do you get through it? Like, is it a question of incremental progress and accepting that? Or do you, do you fight it? God, I try different things. I'll try like walking in circles. I'll try like listening to a weird song. I'll try caffeinating. I'll try uh, half a glass of wine. Maybe that'll make my brain do something. I just like, I try things and then, you know, it, it just sucks until it doesn't. Like when you said like, like what's your superpower? Like I actually think it might be sort of blind optimism slash scheduling. I think those might be, cause I'm always like, it'll come it'll come like my, my inner, the, the bottom of the bottom, like my voice is all over the place. Like everyone else is like, this is awful. Whatever. But the basic bottom of the bottom of voice is always like, you'll get it. It'll, it'll happen. Like, that's what my brain says to me at the end of the day. I, I guess that's sort of what I'm getting at is like, you, you seem to understand that that incremental movement is part of your process and it's going to come eventually. Yes. And it doesn't mean I'm not talented. It doesn't mean I won't finish it. It just means that this particular piece of something was not easy. It just, you know, it's just, yeah, I think I do. I think I do have that voice that just goes, you'll do it. It'll, it'll happen. I don't, I mean, don't you have that? You must, you've been writing for so long. I, I'm trying to. Do you struggle with that? I, I do. I think it's part of why I sort of jump around is like when I'm hitting that hard part, like I, I, I don't want to hammer at it. You know, because I, I when maybe I should and, you know, I go off and do something else or I, you know, record an intro for a podcast or something. And but I can't go back to it till the next day because I just stare at the thing. I think I sort of have a high pain tolerance and I'm used to being it's it's harder for me when I'm alone. But I, I think I'm almost so used to I'm used to being the cheerleader in the group where I'm like, we'll do it. We're like, we're going to sell it. It's going to be like I'm always that person that I just I have to remember to when I'm alone to do it to myself. Be like, You're going to do it this is amazing. You're gonna be fine. You'll get there. I wanted to ask also about sort of your re-entry into the world after living in your head for, you know, four hours every day. I don't really, I don't think I have a problem with that piece of it. It's funny because you asked that and I was like, oh, I don't think I've even thought about it. I think it, I think maybe because I use the timer and it goes beep, 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 beep. And I know that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do three more Pomodoros. And it's like, and then when the third one goes, I'm like, okay. So I don't make it this amorphous, like, when is it going to end? Like I, I schedule it so that when it's, when my schedule's done, I go, okay, I did it. I tried my best. Whatever I had for that day is what I had. And 
I've got tomorrow because I know I have tomorrow because I scheduled my errands for next week. So that's why the scheduling thing helps because I'm like, no, I have all day tomorrow. I have all day the next day. This will, I'll be good, you know? So I think the, the scheduling thing helps with my um, uh, optimism, mental health, like not being depressed about stuff. I think, I think putting myself on a regimen like that has been good for me. It totally makes sense. Um, I want to ask about this this Pomodoro method because it's it's new to me and I've been using it sort of intermittently and I like it a lot and I have to sort of like make myself do it more regularly. But how long have you been using that? Has it been since stumbling on this kind of schedule? Oh gosh, maybe, no, it's been five or six years. It's been, you know, I when I started, I, well, I always wrote with partners. And then when I was writing, when I started to write by myself with, for some stuff, it was a very difficult transition. And I was like, this is not, it's, it's cause you can't put you and your partner on 25 minutes. Like no one's going to listen to me with that. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, they're not, no one else is doing that. It's when you're by yourself. And so I had to like learn new tactics to trick my brain into writing. I had to c- come up with a whole new way. And, um, I, I had a, a friend that I call, I, you know, I, I asked, a lot of people questions. Cause I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then sometimes it clicks and somebody told me about Pomodoro and that helped. And I made the transition by, um, I actually hired a writer's assistant for like a couple months and I had them come over and take note and just like talk to me and write and like proofread what I did. So I had like a, a surrogate, like getting me to solo writing and I sort of tapered it off and then I figured it out, but it was in that, in that time where somebody told me about that. And I'm like, that is good for me. That's really smart. Also that, that thing of like, especially like as a way of transitioning from working with someone to working on your own, having that sort of like writer's assistant come in just to bounce things, like to be a sounding board. Yeah. And just have natural reactions to it. And it just, yeah. even if, um, well, this is the same with any writing partner. Like, even if they say like the worst idea back, at least, like sometimes that leads to the best idea. Sometimes they'll say the best feedback and sometimes they'll be like, they'll say the craziest off the wall thing and you'll go, okay, well, I don't want that. But does that mean what, like you can help, you know, connect dots that way. And I'm sort of doing that now a little bit. I have a friend that um, I've been hiring a couple of times a week to come over. That's great. I mean, even just saying it out loud is often so helpful. Yes. Yes. And you kind of do have to pay someone because, you do like I have, you know, I have friends that will read stuff I wrote and and vice versa, but you can't have a consistent person on the schedule unless you're paying them. <laughs> well, or unless you live with them and maybe I should start paying my wife for this. <laughs> right. Oh, well, that's good. That's nice that you have that. I mean, honestly, she is my first reader, even when it's something I'm working on with Acker. Uh, wow. Then maybe you don't need a writer's assistant. That's know, right? great. That's rare and awesome. She's much better at it than I am, which is great because she's not in the business at all. Oh, that's awesome. I get to steal all her good ideas. <laughs> my friend that I um that we read all of each other's stuff and I, I do all of my pitches for him. It's it's this this old roommate of mine, he's a drama writer. And so it's he brings a whole other perspective and he's so good with story and um, you know, I'm better with like brevity and, and like ending scenes and stuff. So I bring that to him. I'm like the the buttons on the buttons on the scenes, things like that. And it's like nice to have someone uh, who has opposite strengths read my stuff. Like I I love having him in my work life or in, in my life, I should say. Yeah. It's it's a great idea too. Um and and it's something we never really talk about on the podcast is like who are these other readers for you and, and what do you get from them? But you got you have to pick carefully. It's a really um 
it's a precarious, yeah, it's really, yeah, because sometimes you get the people who will give you a joke or an idea and then they like are like, well, now I want to be part of it. And you're like, oh, no, 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 that's, wait, no, 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 this was not for credit or this was, you know, then I read your stuff. That's how we, that's what the reciprocation is, not the, now we're doing it together that, you know, because that's, that's happened sometimes and it's very, it's a very awkward conversation. Absolutely. I yeah, I think, but it, it's also an awkward conversation to have beforehand. Like, let's know what we're both getting into. Yeah. Like you can give me ideas, but I won't, you know, that doesn't mean it's yours or like, but I'm just one, I'm very free with my ideas. So I just assume everyone's like that. Right. And I think, I don't know, maybe that maybe, you know, you came up in live comedy as we did. And like, maybe that's part of it is like, there is that feeling among fellow you know, people who have performed live or put on shows like that. But yeah, that's not, that's not everyone. No. And I'm trying to write these like solo songs right now. And um, it's that same transition I had before where it's very hard for me to write songs by myself. It's not what I'm used to. And so um, I wrote this one last week and I sent it to like five or six comedians being like, what do you think? Like, they're like, I've never punched up a song. And I was like, even so tell me, tell me your thoughts. And the feedback with the feedback was pretty similar. So I was like, okay, then that's what I'm going to do. This is, I, I, this is a really interesting part of the process. Um, so I, I want to ask a couple other things uh, before we wrap up. Uh, one is you have a baby now. Yes. How, and how old is this child? 17 months. Oh my gosh. So how does like, this throws everything into upheaval. Tell me about that transition and how things have changed for you as far as your writing schedule. You know, I just didn't write for the first however many months because it's just, you know, it's a, it just, I just didn't, it's not how it went. And then when I started to feel like I wanted to get back into it, it was, it was harder. And, um, you know, my partner and I had to talk about all this stuff and really find a way to, um, do, do like exist in this together. And cause we both are morning people in our writing. And so it was like, okay, how do we do this? And we had to negotiate really and, and experiment and find the best thing that made us both the happiest as far as, you know, who does what, when, and we found a good balance, which is nice. We found a good way to do it, but it took a while. It was a lot of like, well, that didn't, well, that sucks. Or that's kind of, you know, and uh, yeah, it was, it was hard. It's, it's still hard. I'm still a little foggy. I'm still, yeah. And I, I was just, I was, I did not realize like how much writing I did before. <laughs> I just thought it was sort of normal. And now I'm like, oh God, I can't even imagine having that much brain space. It was such a gift. Like if you don't have kids, just be like work every second, just get it. If you're, if you're planning on having kids, like get right every moment you can until, you know, cause it, it does get harder. Don't, I mean, don't you think it just gets like, yeah. Well, I wouldn't know. I'm I'm preserving right. this. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, you've seen it. You have so many friends with kids. But... Oh, absolutely. And I feel so honestly. I feel very smug about it when I talk to my friends <laughs> with kids. You're like, mm, that sounds hard. Uh, must be tough. Yeah. Um. Have you? So have you in these? You know, in this past year, been able to preserve your mornings, even as you have this negotiation with your partner? Yeah. Yeah. It's become, yeah, that's sort of, you know, we wake up at different times and then he has his morning and then he wakes up with the baby and has the baby for the first two hours. And so that's when I start working and then I come home earlier and do afternoons. So like, yeah, I feel like when he's in school, it'll probably be a thing where 
he takes him to school and I pick him up. It'll be like that kind of, I'm guessing it'll be that kind of division of labor, but yeah, I have been able to a lot of the time. I mean, unless he's got a cold, then my day is completely over, (laughs) you know, it's like, Oh, which was the other thing I was going to say is like, there's so much immediate attention that needs to be paid, you know, just things to deal with during the day. How does that work for you guys? Well, I have an amazing nanny who's the best, but then, you know, nannies get colds. So like, you just got to be, I, I just like, and that's been a hard transition for me. And I just have to go, no, it's what it is. I will never be as productive as I was before. And I just have to get over that because I have this whole other awesome thing. And I just have to be like, it's fine. It's fine. And then I, but then I have to like be the, as productive as I can be on the days where I write, I have to be like grateful for those days and really try to rock it out. Cause I don't know if, if there's a cold to be had the next day or whatever. So, um, yeah, I do. I think it's made me work harder on the days where I'm working, you know, and really be like, try to like, okay, one more Pomodoro, one more thing, you know, because you never know what is going to happen tomorrow. But for the most part, it's been good. It's been, you know, we have really great childcare and so grateful for that. Like, like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't even imagine. I, yeah, I can't imagine not having, uh, help because yeah you can't do anything you can't like it's being a mom is so much harder than being a writer it's not close (laughs) like be like it's the hardest job I'm like it's way harder than the hardest job it's like it's like insulting to call it a job it's so hard you know it's just it's very hard and so it's like yeah my nanny I'm just like holy crap you know I come home like how did you do that like how'd you do this all day I mean, the the understanding that you have with your family too, like that you you can take a couple of hours in the morning, like and have that time to hold on to, like that's huge, you know. And and granted, not everybody gets that, but like Yeah. But if you can, like, you have to talk to your part, you have to keep it's like a constant negotiation. It's like what I was saying was I was like experimenting with my brain, being like, when's my best hours? Like now that I'm a mom, what's my, you have to constantly look at yourself as like a science project and be like, what's the most efficient way to get this machine running? What does this machine require now? Like what's like, you have to keep and every time your circumstances change, you have to go, okay, what's the new reality of this? What's me without a writing partner? What's me with a baby? What's me, you know, and there's like those growing pains and, you know, finding your groove, but like every time there's a new challenge, you have to, you go, okay, well now what's now what's what, what's the best way for me to live? What what I'm what I'm taking from this too is you know something that and and I've written about this in the newsletter and I've talked to friends writer friends about this is you know but I always forget to remind myself it's so much about knowing yourself and your process right even as it adjusts you have to find what works and and lean into it. yes and you have to remember that people around you are not psychic you need to tell them and you need to remind them and you need to say this is what I need you need to figure out what you need and then you need to communicate it and I. I know sometimes it's hard. It's hard. And sometimes it's, you know, historically harder for women to be like, I need that. This isn't, this is important to me. This is my, I need these boundaries. I need this help. I need, you know, but you have to do it because how are you going to get anything done? Let me ask a couple of very quick sort of like processy questions about what it looks like when you are in your, your room, uh, in your office, sitting at your desk for a couple of hours. Um, Do you sit, do you stand? Well, I used to like, oh, I used to be, I'd be on a couch and like whatever. And then of course I get carpal tunnel. So now I'm like the oldest part, like I go to my office, I have my weird carpal tunnel keyboard with the computer stacked up on books and my special mouse and my glove and my like, 
So yeah, I have like my ergonomic chair. I just, you know, it's like once I turned, it was really like when I turned like 35, my body was like pass on this. Like you, you need to take care of this. Like I got into hand physical therapy. Truly I had to, cause I was writing and playing guitar and my hand was like pass. So, um, yeah. So I sit, I sit at this dumb table all day and just with my carpal tunnel ergonomic, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What about you? I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, same thing. I, I, what I've started doing, which has been really helpful is because all meetings are on zoom now and I'm teaching also, and that's like a three hour class. Uh, I will stand for that. Like go set. I work in my guest room. It's also our office, but uh, also my office, but I'll put the computer on the dresser. So it's like my eye height and stand during that. It's been great. That is such a good hack. I've never, I'm so going to do that. I'm going to steal that from you. That's a great idea. So you're not just sitting all day. And it makes your desk the writing place too, you know? That is so smart. It changes the way you think about it. God, I'm that's very so smart. smart. You are. Uh, do you <laughs> do you listen to music while you write? Not usually, no. It just mostly no. I usually like light a little candle. I like, you know, turn off all my stuff. I light a little candle and then like sometimes I'll like meditate for a couple minutes if I'm feeling really, you know, I'll sort of, I'll put, I have that little brainwave app and I'll put like the neural those sounds that just make you feel like you're zoning out. And then, yeah, but yeah, mostly silence. Uh, and do you have a window in your office? Yep. Yep. Big, I have a big old, I have a, just, I have a, it's my old loft that I used to live in before I had a family and I just kept it. And then there's just like a big, big window. I face the window and, you know, go, go to hell and back. <laughs> no, not really. It's Despite not that, that part of it, it sounds very nice. Uh, and I'm excited to see what you come up with. Yeah, no, it's lovely. I like to keep it really clean. You know, I clean after I don't clean during like my dishes stay on the counter. I like do everything when I'm done writing, like nothing. Oh, uh, I, I admire this discipline. It really helps. It really helps me get stuff done to just like, no, I don't need to clean, like, clean my bathroom right now. I have to, when I'm done. When I'm done, when I'm done, when I'm done, you know, it's great. I mean, look, I, I think, you know, we've hit on a bunch of like really good and helpful practices. Ooh, I have one more practice that I found. This is, this is kind of key. Uh, I don't work out in the mornings. I think that's a mistake for people with my kind of brain, because you're giving all of your best energy to push-ups. Like what, like give, give your shitty energy to push-ups at the end of the day, you'll still do them. Like give your give your half-ass energy to your sit-ups, not to your, you know, the screenplay you're like trying to write for years, like give all your best to that. Like don't dissipate it with, you know, on the treadmill, at least for me, some people maybe get, get, you know, energy from a treadmill. I get drained from working out. I hate it. And so I don't do it till after. No, I think that's really smart. And it's, it's the same for me. It's the same as like, cleaning or doing laundry or something first thing in the morning. Like I, I have to wait on that stuff. Otherwise. Yeah. Then your family has to understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but listen, I'll say that you said this before and I'll say this again. Like part of that is communication. Um, part of that is you have to talk to the people around you. So they don't think you are a lunatic or an asshole because this is the life we've chosen. Yeah. I'm like that dish will get done at three 45 and they go, okay. And then when it's done at three 45, they're like, okay, I got it. Like all that, those clothes on the floor, they will be done at 4.15. So they'll go, oh, okay, she sees it. Okay, it's not, yeah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. 
That's great. Um, let me ask, I, I usually wrap up by asking what you are watching on TV or movies or anything, but I am actually curious about the stuff you've been watching to sort of like refill your brain and get inspired. Um, are, do you tend to watch stuff that is close to what you're working on, that's similar in tone, that's similar in genre, or do you just watch stuff that's good to inspire you? I try to watch stuff that's close to what I'm working on. Like I try to watch, like um, I've, I've had the good fortune three, three times now, two, two or three times since my son is born, my parents have flown out and they, my parents fully are into what I do. They flew out. They were like, just took care of Keaton. I flew to New York and saw like five plays in four days and flew back. So I just got, I just like, cause I'm trying to write a musical. So I just was like getting inspiration. So I just fly out. I'll stay in times square at like the Marriott there. I'll see a play Friday night you know, two Saturday, two Sunday, fly back Monday. And they, they'll come out and just let me go do that. So that inspires me. I watch, when I watch musicals, it really inspires me. And then, um, yeah, when I was writing an animated movie, I watched, I pretty much just tried to watch every animated movie, you know, cause you get inspired and you also go, oh, they already did that. I can't. So sometimes you're like, oh, I was really hacky. I didn't realize, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, that was, I, totally accidentally stole that from up or something. And, you know, you want to know your genre. Do, what do you, do you watch? Cause I know you guys work in a zillion genres. Do you, do you do that? Or do you just do things that inspire you in general? I I think so. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's roughly that, you know, like we're working on sort of a big studio style comedy right now. And so like, yeah, I'm trying to see what makes those things tick and, you know, what are, what are the best versions of those? Yes. You know? And then when I'm home, I watch a lot of like blippy or Miss Rachel. I'm like, whoa, those people are amazing. But I'm like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is different. <laughs> They're like, this is a truck. Look, it's a truck. Can you say truck? You know, so I've been, I watch that when I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's soothing in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remembered something else that I wanted to ask, which I think is applicable to other people doing other things, uh, you know, doing other things in addition to writing, which is like, you're an actor and you are a working actor. And I feel like so many of my actor friends tell these horror stories about like last minute auditions and things like that, where it's like, you're so reactive as an actor because frequently you're not creating your own material. Um, how do you balance that stuff? That's always, that's so one of the sort of questions of my life that goes into like, what should I be doing today? What is the best use of my time? And, um, you know, there's a proposal in the new SAG contract that I, I, I might be saying, I might be getting the number wrong, but I think it's like the audition can be no more than five pages. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And when Natasha and I had another period, our rule to the cast director was no more than two pages. If we can't even, if we can't narrow it down in two pages, we don't know what we want. We, it, and we, you know, most, like, I think we had maybe one callback. We mostly just could pick someone because it's all people, especially when people get to a certain age, everybody's good. Everybody's great. Everyone has a long reel that you can watch. Like, don't nobody, don't make, you know, I don't, who you, you you're friends with Paget Brewster. Don't make Paget Brewster do 13 pages. Like, honestly, don't make her do any pages. But if you are like, give her two pages, see your take on the character and pick her or don't pick her. Cause it, you know, people get to like, it feels it, it, when you get these auditions that are like 13 pages, like I kind of don't, sometimes I have to pick, I'll go, do I want to audition for this? Or do I want to write this musical? And like often it ends up the second thing. Cause I'm just like it, it when you're doing a bunch of things, it kind of changes because it used to be where I would just like, 
any kind of shit. Yep. I throw everything away that I was doing that day. And then the problem is like, if you spend two days working an audition, you go back to the project you were working on. And that whole day back is like a catch up day where you're like, okay, where was I? You get nothing done. You're just figuring it out. And then if you get another audition, you're yeah. Doing more than one thing is, is tough. And you do have to like have constant conversations with yourself. Like, where am I at? Like, sometimes you're at a place financially where like, yeah, you got to do that audition and like, it sucks, but you just, you got to do everything you got in some place. Sometimes you're not. And you can be like, you know what? No, I want to write this thing. I don't, you know, I have this bigger goal and I can't do this like short-term, you know, job. I have to, I have to, I'm working on a bigger thing for myself or, you know, but it's like constantly reevaluating, but I wish I knew the answer. I never know what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's funny. Cause I have a, you know, I have a writing manager and an acting manager, same place, but they, you know, they'll have my acting manager will be like, yeah, do the role. My writing manager will be like, write your screenplay, you know? So they'll, they'll have, yeah. But I just never know. I wish I was better at that. I feel like I'm maybe bad at that. But it sounds like you're finding your way at that. Like you're, you're prioritizing, even if it's on a daily basis, which is really helpful, you know, like you're getting to know what is important to you day after day and then eventually week after week. And like, I, I think that stuff's clarified. Well, that's one of the things I don't totally understand about the, the this. I don't think the strike, pe- the AMPTP, I don't think they're totally understanding that because of the last strike and the low pay, it's become this gig economy where we all have like seven jobs where if we have these, it's, we're not just actors anymore. We have other, all these other streams of income that we should be working on where we can't just drop everything for a 13 page audition that by the way, has already been offered to Aubrey Plaza or whatever, whatever the situation is, you know, it's like, yeah, you can't, um, you can't, you, you have to, yeah. I don't think they're quite understanding that piece of it. No. So it feels like so much of the conversation during the strike with the AMPTP is getting them to understand that like, we are humans who need some level of a life and like a reasonable work-life balance at this point. Yeah. Like, like I can't even imagine like that. It would be so lovely if I got this email. That's like, if I'm say I want to work on my musical that day, I get an email and it says, there's this audition. The part has already been offered to this person who's accepted and it's in negotiations. And, um, here's 13 pages due tomorrow. I would go, great. I'm gonna work on my musical. Thank you. Like if I had the information, (laughs) you know, if I got an email that said, here's a two page audition, um, the part has not been offered to anyone. I'll go, oh, you know what? I think I should, I should go for it, you know, but we don't get any of that information, you know. It's, it's similar to open writing assignments, right? It's like these, it is these bake-offs. It's exactly that, except every audition is like that. Every audition for the last 20 years has been an open writing assignment and you don't know any, very rarely do you know what the deal is. Well, listen, you're, you're doing great. I want you to know this. Thanks. So are you. <laughs> You're killing it. Thank you. Um, I'm trying my best. I'm, I know that. I want you to make. Pro- I want you to put aside any auditions that come up. Luckily, you have the time right now. I want to see what this musical is. I'm excited about it. Um, get to work on it. Stop talking to me. I will. I will. I will. Gosh, I got to get more disciplined. No. <laughs> well, it's nice you. to talk to you. It was nice to see you. I'm sure. Hopefully, I'll see you again on the picket line soon. I've seen you multiple times out there. <laughs> 